Welcome to the Ross Republic podcast. My name is Adrian Klee. I'm partner at Ross Republic. And today I'm really excited to introduce you to Maso Aray, who recently became partner. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit more about his background, why he joined Ross Republic and his outlook on the industry, also based on our recent experience at Money 2020. So Maso, thanks a lot for taking the time and joining us in the podcast today. Thank you, Adrian. It's a pleasure. Maso basically has a background both in financial services and engineering industries. So, uh, for example, between 2004 and 2010, he worked at Wärtsilä Global Financial Shared Service Center. And for those who, do, who don't know Wärtsilä, it's a Finnish company which manufactures and services power sources and other equipment in the marine and energy markets and had a revenue of over 4 billion euros um, last year in 2020. Between Afterwards, basically between 2010 and 2016, Maso acted as vice president in various positions at Nordea Bank, which is a large Nordic bank based in uh, Helsinki, Finland, which um, had a net profit of around 2.3 billion euros in 2020. So there he acted as uh, vice president and he led the payment services and trade finance strategy units and as well as steered Nordea's retail banking corporate digital transformation. Now, during the last years, Maso has been working primarily with fintechs facilitating business strategy and growth development. And in addition to that, Maso has been working with us here at Ross Republic over the last year as a senior advisor focusing on ecosystem financing and super apps. And as I mentioned, we're really happy uh, to announce, uh, we actually did a few weeks ago on our blog, that Maso has joined Ross Republic now as a partner. And in this blog post, Maso, you mentioned that with Ross Republic, um, you're not a consultant, nor you will be consulting customers. Instead, you will listen and share the desires, dreams, needs, pains of each of our customers, and then basically help them resolve their pains and find their own path to achieve their goals. Let's maybe start with that really interesting quote. Um, can you explain a little bit what that all means? My background is is not consulting. Um, I haven't. I have been in consulting business for only about two, three years. Before yeah. that, I was very hands-on in corporate side, between in Vatsla doing hands-on stuff and then moving yeah. to Nordia, we can hands-on and from strategy to operations to discussing with customers. So listening during uh, with uh, listening has been big part of the, the whole my journey and understanding the pains and, and the needs of whether we talk about external or internal customers and our partners has been uh, 70 to 80 percent of my job because if i don't listen i don't pay interest i don't pay attention i've never been able to to actually direct or give any sort of indication of where and how we could uh, potentially solve a problem so for me listening is big part of of um, helping customers to find their own path because usually they have their own path they need somebody to listen and perhaps to confirm or to give a bit different perspective from their own industry because that's what yeah. it's all about for me um i've gathered information from manufacturing and engineering industry then i've moved to banking industry and then to fintech and to to um, entrepreneurship um so i've built this sort of um, different industry knowledge that that it's it's not for me to keep it's for me to share big part of that is listening before i share so let's maybe then start with um your key learning so far because you had really amazing steps during your career i would definitely be interested to 
hear more about um, your time at Wärzela because obviously it's a very it's a global um, you know large industrial company. So working there at the Global Financial Shared Service Center, I'm sure um, that brings a lot of challenges as well. Um, and in the blog post, you already mentioned that it was a kickoff to your ecosystem and system intelligence thinking um, within both corporate and human centric leadership. That sounds very interesting. Let's maybe wrap that up a little bit. Um, what did you learn at Wetzlar? What did you do? What are like the key learnings from that time? Um, usually companies, um, big corporates like Wetzlar and, and the like, they establish whether they are financial shared service centers or focusing on other logistics shared service centers. They do that on specific reason for optimization, for saving um, costs, for serving the customers better, whether we talk about internal and external. In a financial shared service center, you start with, for example, simple things, uh, accounts payable, accounts receivable, because those are easy to, um, or the easiest to gather into one place and then start optimizing. And uh, you optimize it via the optimizing the process itself, uh, and then you move to optimizing the automated via system. But th then comes a kind of a wall where you won't be able uh, anymore to optimize the processes or, or, or the system. You have to start digging deeper and deeper. And that's where you start digging uh, towards beginning of the process when we talk about order to cash or projects to pay or the whole money in money out that's where you start to un need to understand how a corporate as an ecosystem works how yeah. the money comes in how the money goes out what delays the money from going out what delays the money from coming in from customers perspective what are the pains that are why customers for example are paying late or why our collections uh, are, are being delayed um, so that's how i got into um, understanding more and more how vatsla's money in money out ecosystem works for us for example it was so that you have to drop the handling of one invoice from 21 euros to 0.5 cents and you don't do that only by process optimization inside SSC or automation you have to go to the roots of where you can impact whether that's where processing is done or you have to improve the logistics uh, or how uh, products are being um, uh, locked into warehouse or on the other hand how you deliver to your customers with which payment terms and and how your collection happens so you have to understand you have a 360 opportunity to look at the corporate And the deeper you go, the more you, you, you are better off in terms of being able to optimize the end-to-end -end ecosystem. Yeah, sounds really interesting. Um, what then did you basically, what triggered you to um, leave uh, engineering industries and join a completely different indus industry, basically, which is financial services when you joined Nordea in 2010? Well, I spent six years in Wetzlar in, and... Um, I came to a point where my background is not engineering, engineering. I'm more of a financial guy um, and a development-oriented person. So I started looking, okay, where I could utilize what I've learned. And uh, since I have never been in the banking industry, I decided that, hey, that's a kind of a unknown territory for me. And um, there was an opportunity for me to join Nordea, and I jumped to unknown 
without knowing what is what expects me but uh, it ended up to be a great jump so and also what we mentioned in our blog obviously that um, you initially worked together with um, your nordic managers and local teams on payments products and operations development and that also there you developed an hands-on know-how on an understanding of the end-to-end um, procure to pay and order to cash um, life cycles from a customer perspective basically obviously you had that already from Merzler so can you let's maybe talk a bit more about that because you basically jumped um, you know usually Nodea or like big global banks usually um, um, manage companies like Merzler as their own clients and now you jumped from the client side basically to the to the service side um, How much did that help you to to basically serve the needs of, of your customers better? Actually, quite a lot, because the first thing that I was supposed to do was look at the Wetzler's um, payment processes, that how we do the payments, because that, at that time, um, SEPA was active in terms of implementation, uh, and we had, there was deadlines, and how you implement SEPA and how you to utilize it was important. Um, so we started digging into how Nordea processes corporate and retail payments. And at that point, I realized that everybody more or less is looking at it from inside out, what happens inside the bank with the payment. Yeah. It was kind of forgotten that the beginning actually starts from the customer and it ends with the customer. And then surrounding with partners that potentially the customer has and what business customers is in, because those those aspects have impact on how you handle the payment. That was the starting point, and that was obviously what I've learned. And from Wetzler came very handy in terms of uh, how you map and how you uh, provide more value for the customer at the end. Yeah. All right, and then you stayed basically in finance by um, after 2016. You, you decided to make basically a jump and basically serve uh, mostly fintechs and startups on their journey. Yeah, what we also talk a lot as uh, here it was public, obviously with fintechs becoming multidimensional service providers beyond now beyond the traditional financial services, banking and financing, um, and that this is moving more towards maybe a model that we know from China, where giants like Alipay and WeChat Pay have been serving their customers already for a decade in a very platform-based model. Um, so after Nodea, you then yeah jumped into entrepreneurship and basically started to consult uh, companies. What are your learnings from this phase? Uh, what perhaps made me jump from banking to to fintech uh, was the fact that I saw the uh, my combination of corporate life, corporate uh, experience and the banking and putting them together became kind of a what's behind banking. Yeah, and fintechs and startups think more like that. That that yeah, there is payment. Yes, there is lending, but what does it mean for the customer? What, what, what how does it impact their life? Um, the thinking was different, and that attracted me the most. And okay. when I started working with um, Alipay and WeChat Pay, um, I saw that that there is a totally different dimension that I have not looked at the ecosystem. I mean, I have I knew how corporate world's ecosystem works, but the way Alipay and WeChat Pay, we work with the ecosystem and build the community and that everything is connected to everything in a sense. It was amazing. It was eye-opening for me. Um, and that's why I am today um, more and more towards um, 
how ecosystems and ecosystem partnerships can help whether we talk about the banks whether we talk about corporates to, to yeah. support their journey okay and you also worked with alipay right can you tell a bit more about that yeah with alipay it was amazing amazing in a sense that i mean you cannot imagine how big it is that's how i can just explain it like that and and yet things happen so fast development happens so fast and and uh And servicing customers happens so fast in a sense that that you cannot realize that. Then another thing is the model that they they had in terms of how they want to expand. It's not that like Alipay comes to um, to Europe or to US and they just buy this company or that company. Um, I mean they have the money for it, but they don't do that. They rather go around and and partner up. Uh, they bring their own flavor of systems if they, if if it it's accepted or balance sheet if it's accepted, and they partner up in different markets with different players in order to fast and efficiently enter the market, and then they share they share well yep. in terms of profit they share in terms of knowledge, and help uh, the partners to grow as well at the same time. So it it's um, kind of a helping community approach rather than than uh, being just a giant yeah yeah we will definitely come back to that ecosystem based um, business models as well in a minute um, but what i would also really like to cover you started consulting fintechs um, around last year you also got to know Rosie public so now obviously um, you're your partner here so Let's um, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, what attracted you to to basically work with Frost Public? Because I know you've you've worked already with several big consultancies. Um, you've worked on the supply side. You've worked as a buyer of consulting services. So what attracted you um, to work with uh, with us? Um, obviously, the fact that Frost Public is a great company with great people. That's one. Um, no, but that that's a serious. I mean, it's not that um, I have worked in others. They were great people as well. But but you have to have a certain chemistry, is one thing. Another thing is that I always think of myself as having two or three legs, uh, meaning that um, the capability of being able to utilize and, and share my knowledge, whether we talk about going towards manufacturing and heavy engineering industry or, or going the other direction suddenly to banking and fintech um, and, and utilizing um, in both uh, kind of scenarios, what I've learned in general, that's a big, um, uh, big impact and big, big reason why I joined part of uh, I joined Restro Public, because I can utilize both, regardless of what uh, customer we are talking about. It's about um, some like to use this um, terminology called co- cross pollination. Yeah, um, that's where I'm good at um, to to look at. Um, how synergies between um, banking and manufacturing could be utilized. Then another one is is um, what we talked about earlier, listening. Yeah, I mean, it's about going in with an empty canvas and paint it with what customer is saying, with the challenges yeah. that they have, with the pains that they have, with the needs that they have, and serving them based on what uh, what they need. There is no ready model. There is no um, ready operating uh, solution uh, that we come up and we, we present them. It's tailored to yeah. serve their need uh, at that moment and in the, the potential future that they are looking at. 
And that's a big difference for me because I can utilize my creativity and innovation and uh, and try to help the customers on their their paths. No, that's uh, that's awesome. I mean, basically, your um, your skill set and your capabilities are just extremely complementary to to our company as well, and and our history of working with both in financial services and as well as more B two B industrial type of uh, companies. And yeah, it's been it's been amazing to work with you also on the first project together. And um, I'm really looking forward to what what comes next and what what other projects we can do in this whole intersection of banking, finance, um, and other industries. Um, and to your point about having a basically new approach to consulting i think that's also extremely needed at this day and age um, where basically every organization is is almost forced to to upgrade their their assets their functions their operations kind of experimenting with new products and new approaches that uh, are not necessarily that's obviously not necessarily always easy to do and mastered on the inside um, so you know i guess that's that's just a natural change also in the, in the general industry that um, also in, in consulting you go with that and um, basically transition into this entrepreneurial age um, where you need to be way more agile way more entrepreneurial and and um, innovative to find new solutions uh, to 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 you know keep keep growing and um, keep having a sustainable business model so let's let's move on to um, where you see where the finance world is going um, and I think that would be an amazing opportunity to talk about Money 2020, which uh, happened last week in Amsterdam. Um, so obviously that uh, is a place um, where a lot of fintech people, bankers and um, you know software companies come together, um, showcase what they have built and also talk about the latest trends. Um, so I guess that's always a great opportunity to find out what are like the most important topic uh, in finance and banking in general right now. Do you have like a few points that you saw as the key trends um, happening in finance right now um, I mean first of all it was um, amazing after two years to see people and talk to them <laughs> I think it was a feeling for everybody um, reconnecting to to some old colleagues to, uh, and then at the same time connecting to new ones and exploring what's going on in the world obviously payment business um, has um, come a long way in in the fact that two years ago before COVID, we still were talking about about cash and cards and all that. But here, everything towards seamless. The more seamless, the more um, digital, the better. And you could see, for example, from few banks, uh, let's take Credit Agricole coming up with uh, um, services for blind people or 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 um, having the biometrics or going towards totally online seamless service providers that, that trying to um, eliminate the payment step um, so that, that actually um, it's embedded in the purchasing journey. So that, that I see as, as one of the key trends and uh, that, that it's going on, that the payment is becoming more and more embedded. We have been talking about, I mean, embedded finance is obviously uh, was one of the key, key areas as well, but embedded payment um, is going deeper and deeper. So that actually um, what I see is that depending on a perspective, it can be the end, the payment, but it can be also the beginning. So it's the bridge between before and after sales um, that, that is becoming more and more trend. So what they can do, what you can offer before the payment and when the payment happens in terms of embedded finance and what it can, what it can be done um, 
after uh, the payment and towards that it became became more evident that there is a lot more talk between whether we talk about banks talking to payment fintechs or or uh, payment fintechs talking to different uh, type of industries non-finance industries trying to find ways to collaborate so that's where we come to this ecosystem thinking and and the ecosystem partnerships as well that that was one of the key um trends that i see actually becoming more and more evident uh, in terms of uh, different collaboration that was yeah. happening very interesting yeah i guess um that's also a big big pain point for most traditional banks to how to stay relevant in this interconnected seamless payment world um that is so dominated by by technology brands um that have really you know really strong customer propositions um and yeah i guess that that requires quite a lot of um development as well to catch up with that industry because it's payments is a commodity and um obviously it's it's um quite difficult to to build these services at scale and, and own the customers so i think they're, they're rarely use cases where um yeah large traditional banks have on their own just launched um really really successful payments businesses i think they're, they're just a few exceptions but um in general yeah as you said like a lot of fintechs actually working on new solutions in that area absolutely and then the, the thing that uh, well we will talk about it um, challenges for for um financial industry especially for banks is how you keep relevant specifically yeah. in the consumer business because most of the fintechs that we see in the, in the payments game is focusing on the consumer b2c side mainly and yeah. and uh, that's a bread and butter for for banks and how you keep relevant on that is um, either you need to have your own very strong strong value proposition and and type of fintech or you partner up with one of the fintechs uh, in order to actually um, complement each other where i see on the b2b side um, there is less competition at least at this point for between banks and fintechs uh what i saw at least uh, from the outside um, was that you know this whole embedded finance topic um, is now really front and center i guess um, as you mentioned with payments um, and in general like embedding financial services uh, into non-financial uh, contexts and environments right where the customer needs it leveraging unique data um, uh, that that for what i've seen was a was a really big uh, topic again and that also relates to banking as a service so you've seen solaris bank rails bank have been there um, different banking as a service providers out of europe um, and of course open banking due to psd2 that is now gradually really really slowly but gradually um opening up new business models um that yeah built on banking data or, and um you know built on uh, using using the pc2 apis and open banking in the uk um and we've, we've actually recently uh, released, released also a blog post about um these three topics so um if you're interested in that um have a look and we explain what it all means but apart from that um did we cover then um the key topics at money 2020 i think so i think the the, the key that you mentioned very well was that when psd2 came along everything was i mean everybody started doing fintech business whether it was payment or lending or different kind of thing it was very decentralized now it starts to come kind of coming back together with um, players like solaris bank with embedded finance and open banking like fink and nordigan and all that so the circle is becoming tighter and tighter and there is more collaboration coming along so it becomes more of a um, closer to you could say end-to-end -end journey 
rather than being decentralized uh, as um, PSD2 started. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there are also now more and more major use cases and business models around open banking emerging because in the first wave, it was like only account aggregation, personal finance management. Um, and there hasn't been one really big player, for example, um, YOLT, which was started by ING in the UK, um, has recently shut down um, their consumer app. Um, and now it only focuses on um, on being a technology platform for third parties allowing to tap into open banking APIs. And um, and now what I've seen from different fintechs is amazing new um, new use cases. For example, in the retail banking space, uh, a service that automatically connects to your bank account, analyzes your transactions, and then tells you at the end of the month how much you um, you have left to invest. And then you can automate it, and they automatically invest it then into a, into an ETF fund. Um, and connect a, a payment card, so you can even even if your money is invested, you you can access it. Um, and at the same time. Um, I've seen a model doing exactly the same almost for, for B2B and uh, in, a, in the B2B space for SMEs basically, allowing them to, to have an almost automated treasury function um, that um, analyzes uh, your cash flow um, based on all connected banks and bank accounts and then, and then basically lets you know how much money you could invest into, into different funds um, and, and can do that automatically basically. So a kind of internal treasure automated treasury function yeah it's amazing to see all these new business models um that are popping up now based on, on open banking and of course like um this whole embedded finance topic is more the umbrella term of um that, that financial features and functions are moving more and more into into other contexts that go out of this narrow linear banking model um so very very interested to or very interesting to see how it develops now and um obviously I guess now this whole topic has become mainstream since it's 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 been at money 2020 so everyone is talking about it absolutely and and i think one last key point on that is that it, it's not just for banks and for financial tech and there is there is more to explore how um, corporates and sme um, uh, companies can utilize open banking so it, it's it needs to be um, slowly going beyond the financial industry yeah absolutely yeah i guess that's a whole topic obviously on its own but um yeah utilizing new, new financial features internally to streamline operations and also to complement your your um, customer facing propositions that's a really big big opportunity actually to um yeah to, to on the one hand um improve the business model um increase margins but on the other hand to really provide more customer value whether that's an internal customer like employees and finance functions or um your external customers um so yeah really really exciting topics um, yeah, so, th so thank you, Maso, to, uh, that you joined us, um, talk a little bit about your career, growth public, um, and the next trends in finance. Um, so I guess we will, we will wrap it up as well in, um, in a blog post uh, where we explain what we saw at Money2020. Um, but for now, thanks, thanks for having joined us. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye.